Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well. It's Thursday the 16th of February. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. We'll hear shortly about plans to bring West End shows to the county and the concerns that parents have about a park they've called dangerous. But first, a vigil has been held on Hearn Bay seafront to remember a mother and daughter who were found dead in a burger van in Whitstable. Leah Churchill and 17-year-old Brooke Wanstall are thought to have suffered carbon monoxide poisoning after turning on a generator. Tyler found his mum and sister's bodies. I've got their mum's cars outside. I've opened the door. Sort of shout what you're doing here. You don't even know what I saw. But what I saw weren't good. It was my mum and my sister and they weren't alive. My sister's, my sister's a baby. She's 17. And she just shouldn't. You know what I mean? It shouldn't happen and yeah, it was just a fatal mistake that just went wrong. Do you know what I mean? And tragically now I've got me and my sister, my little brother left without a sister and a mum, and my dad left without a daughter. I'm not coping with it yet. Do you know what I mean? It's one day in, it happened yesterday. I still can't get the images out of my head of seeing. My mum had a homeless man in off the streets if she could. Literally. We let her. She would. She would. My sister. He's trying to raise awareness so others don't make the same mistake. Kent Online News. Elsewhere, it's emerged a man who was killed in a head-on crash in Dover had been charged with drug and driving offences. John Butterworth died when his car collided with a van on Folkestone Road on Monday. It happened just days before the 30-year-old was due to face court over three separate offences. A Whistable man's been jailed for stabbing his girlfriend in the bag with a hunting knife. A court heard how Christian Moore also grabbed her by the hair and repeatedly punched and slapped her at their home in October 2021. The 24-year-old from Middlewall has been jailed for more than four years and has also been handed an eight-year restraining order. A man has been arrested and charged over an aggravated burglary in Gillingham. The 27-year-old from the town, along with two others, are accused of forcing their way into the victim's property and assaulting them with a hammer. Kent Online reports. Now, a huge entertainment venue hosting West End shows, music concerts and opera could be built in Ashford. The ambitious plans would see the Vicarage Lane car park and former Mecca Bingo Hall transformed into a 3,000-capacity facility known as Ashford Live. Multi-millionaire Paul Gregg, a former director of Everton Football Club, is behind the proposal and is hoping to submit a planning application to the council in the coming months. He's been telling me about his vision. The scheme's very interesting. It's based on the scheme that we did in Saudi Arabia four years ago. It's a temporary permanent structure, tented structure. Um, we won an award in Saudi Arabia for being the best small development that year and also in the Middle East in the Mead competition for the best small development. So that was really exciting. But we developed this, the, the tents and theatre so that we could stage major West End musicals of the size and scale of Lion King or Wicked um, or Phantom of the Opera. And um, we, we, we created a space, a, a destination in, um, you know, that we believe will become used for theatre, concerts, exhibitions, conferences, banqueting, and, and add to the entire entertainment opportunity in Ashford. Why do you believe this is the right fit for Ashford? Well, 
it was very interesting. We started October to Kent County Council about looking for a destination in Kent where a theatre would work that had the capacity to stage shows like Lion King and Phantom of the Opera. And um, and they came up with the suggestion we talked to Ashford. So we met with Jerry, the leader of the council, and uh, Tracy, the chief executive, and we said to them, what do you think? And they love the idea, they love the concept. So we spent time evaluating which may be the best site for it and came up with the site in the town centre. And then we decided that, you know, it would be bring some nightlife to Ashford. And we came up with the concept of calling the whole scheme Ashford Live. And in terms of that potential for the nightlife, how do you hope that it could certainly transform that for Ashford? And, and what about the economic benefits of that as well? Well, I think I think the point is that when you look down the high street, it's basically it's very attractive, but it looks dead on the night. So we thought, well, why don't we light the high street? Why don't we use the Odeon foyer? Because, you know, the council's ambition is to knock the Odeon building down to give the church better views and that. And, um, you know, what we decided was that if we use the foyer, that would be a way to get to our concept of Ashford Live, and it would also involve the high street. So it makes the high street, it gives life back to the high street, which is very important. And we envisage that, you know, a thousand people a night could be using the, the theatre concept uh, or, or for concerts or whatever. And I think that the whole feeling is it would just bring life back to the town centre. We know the nightlife economy has certainly taken a significant hit over the, the years. Um, do you think this um, proposal has the potential to, to reinvigorate that for Kent? Definitely. I think, I think the thing is, if you've got the right attraction, people will travel. And Ashford is like 30 or 40 minutes from anywhere. And the other good news is it's 35 minutes from London. So for West End shows to come to Ashford is easy. And, and also for shows to rehearse in Ashford is another asset. So we're, we're helpful that having the theatre there will allow West End producers to think, let's go to Ashford and get the show ready and then take it into the West End. So there's lots of opportunities that Ashford offers because it's 35 minutes on the high-speed train. And a few of those shows that you mentioned, such as The Lion King, and that's not just recognised here, but globally. How important do you think this could be in terms of boosting tourism for, for Kent, for Ashford? I'm sure many people will be hoping that the Eurostar will return in a few years as well in the area. We hope the Eurostar will return because another conversation we're having is with English National Opera about being based in Ashford. You know, they, they've been told by the Arts Council to move out of the Coliseum as much as they own the theatre. It's a sort of crazy decision, but um, we've suggested to them that they could have a head office space in Ashford and, uh, and then they could use the theatre in Ashford for pre-shows before London and then they could travel into London and do their productions in London. So, you know, that's another element of our conversations, both with the council and with English National You mentioned The Lion King. I saw The Lion King in Minneapolis in its first ever preview many, many years ago, nearly 30 years ago. And then it went to New York and then we were able to bring it to the Lyceum in London, where it's still playing to really good houses. So I think the thing is, if the show's right, the business will come. So hotels, shops, restaurants, 
everything in Ashford could have a different life if we're there. Pedestrians in Sittingbourne say they're fed up with lorries parking on a footpath near a scrapyard and have labelled the drivers utterly selfish. Residents say they have to walk in the road or push their prams around vehicles parked outside AMP Metals on Eurolink Way. The yard manager of the business says they've asked their suppliers to keep the paths clear, but there are now direct traffic regulations to enforce. Parents in parts of Ashford have started a campaign to improve safety at a park they've described as dangerous for children. £400,000 was spent on renovating the playground at Central Park in Park Farm last year. But local dad, Andrew Stott, is worried someone will get hurt if changes aren't made. The number one concern with this play park is there's absolutely huge gaps in between the bridge and I feel like it's a real problem for children because I think they can uh, slip through. And also the netting as well. There's netting up there. Uh, there should be netting. As you can see, there's no netting. And it's quite high, as you can see. Look, it's, it's almost what? How, how tall would you say that? It's seven or eight foot? Yeah, yeah, it's quite tall. Yeah, so obviously I, I'm quite quite scared about if, if the children fall through and injure themselves and danger themselves. So I think that we need to look after our communities and stuff like that. And, and Park Farm's a very nice community. And I just want to look after the children and make sure everyone's okay. I have one child myself. I have my baby daughter. She's uh, she's absolutely beautiful. She's 16 months old now. Uh, But also I have two stepchildren as well. I have one that's 13 and I have one that's 12. Um, And obviously obviously they're going to come to the play park and enjoy the, obviously, especially in the summertime, have some ice creams and things like that. And I'm really, um, obviously, I'm, I'm a little bit overcautious about bringing them to the park because um, I don't want them to be playing on things like this because I think it's really dangerous for them and it needs to be rectified and sorted. I think there needs to be netting around the high bit there and also the bridge needs to be full and it needs to, they need to fill in the gaps because obviously you don't want the children falling through there and also the slide needs to be rectified a little bit because I know it was quite an expensive project as well money-wise as well I'm sure you're sure you agree um, it needs to be done properly for the children. Uh, the slides uh, is in segments, but the segments aren't connected properly, and that also needs to be addressed as well. I had some private messages from uh, mums like that were concerned, and also just but just just general people around the uh, general area, just, just general populace around the actual area itself. Um, we were actually concerned and they were messaging me and they were saying thank you for bringing up the concern and hopefully we can move things forwards. I don't personally think it's acceptable myself. I think you can tell it's not safe. It's not acceptable from Ashford Borough Council whatsoever and I think it needs to be rectified before the summertime as soon as possible. I spoke to ABC which is Ashford Borough Council uh, previously I sent them an email and they said it's up to regulations of the, uh, uh, it was like the British standards or the EU standards, uh, um, but however, it's not acceptable and it does need to be addressed again, the situation, it needs to be, they need a professional to come out here and look at the slides and the bridge and reassess the situation and rectify it. The council insists the equipment meets safety standards and is regularly inspected. A restaurant and pub in Tunbridge Wells could be knocked down to make way for a new food and drink complex. There are plans to redevelop the site home to Frankie and Benny's in Knights Park and the empty hop house next door. The new building would be divided into six units with outdoor seating and a car park. Developers in Hearn Bay are pushing ahead with a 180 home project despite fears from residents that 
it will destroy the village. Detailed plans have been released for the site south of Beltinge, which are a mix of housing and flats as well as green spaces. Locals say traffic can already become gridlocked and having lorries roll through would cause havoc. Meanwhile, a factory capable of making 1,000 modular homes every year could soon be built in Medway. Plans have been submitted for a site on the King's North Industrial Estate in Hu. It would make sections of houses that can then be put together quickly. They're also designed to be more energy efficient. And we've got another update on the new Banksy in Margate. Building contractors have been instructed to safely remove the artwork from the side of a wall in Grosvenor Place. Captioned Valentine's Day Mascara, it shows a 1950s housewife shoving her husband into a chest freezer. The freezer was controversially taken away by Thunnet District Council over safety concerns, but was later returned, only to be removed again last night by art handlers contracted by Red 8 Gallery. It's now in storage ahead of being put on display with the street art, while footage has emerged of locals putting their own freezer there. While the chief exec of the London-based gallery, Julian Usher, has revealed his plans for the work and gave us this statement, which Kate's been reading. I can confirm that we have been instructed by the house owner to handle the safe removal, promotion, and sale of the work. However, they have stipulated that they wish a local charity supporting prevention of violence against women to benefit, along with the piece being used to raise awareness in Margate and nationally. We want to make sure that the piece raises awareness of domestic abuse and violence against women, the message that the piece was created to send in the first place. So we're going to remove the piece from the wall because obviously it won't be conducive for it to remain where it is currently. We're waiting to hear back from the Turner Gallery to see if they can display it for a time and we'd also like it to be exhibited in London. Meanwhile, the piece has sparked a debate over whether it's really art or fly-tipping. Jamie Levy from our sister station, KMTV, has been asking people who've gone to see it. The Bagsy, the graffiti itself, I mean, is obviously an artwork, and he's included the freezer as part of his artwork. So you have to say, well, that is art. Having said that, I think it's a bit humorous that the Thunic Council quickly removed it and there you are. For you, what do you think about it? I think it's a wonderful piece of art. You know, some people call it graffiti, um, you know, but the man's a genius, so and it'll bring people into Margate. And obviously that, obviously, there was a fridge here yesterday that to put some pans on the floor and I mean, without the art, that could be classed as fly tipping. For you, where, where's the line between graffiti and fly tipping and actually art? Well, I think you're kind of crossing a line where there is art. Obviously, because it was a chest freezer and that was a safety hazard because it wasn't sealed. So what, what's going to happen? I mean, Banksy can't come back now and paint a, a freezer there because this is going to be, you know, seen by people, you know, 24 hours a day. So, um, no, I think it's good. I think it's great. It's um, obviously because it's Banksy, it's going to be worth a fortune. They're now going to protect it, which have obviously put the plastic over. But obviously, there was the fridge, fridge, fridge freezer here before. Yeah, um, yeah. Some people are calling that fly tipping. Yeah. Ooh, where's the line between sort of this graffiti exactly. and fly tipping artwork? Where is the line for you? That's right. It, I would say we've just walked past another load of mess down there, and that's got a sign saying, This isn't a Banksy, please feel free to take it. No one's took it. The council haven't cleared that. So, yeah. So, um, what's the difference? There, that's right. It's, it, it's a fine line, isn't it? When we're, where we live, we get fly tipping because we're in a rural area. It's disgraceful, it's awful, and it, and it shouldn't be done. And obviously, people, do, if they get caught, prosecuted, which it should be. Um, but but this, that, this for you is it, art. It, it's art, but I, yeah, it's awkward, isn't it? Because I suppose the council, this is it, they thought it was fly tipping. And so, yeah, it's difficult. I, uh, how, 
Yeah, fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Fine line. Kent Online reports. A David Lloyd gym in Maystone is going to close down at the end of May. The site at Lock Meadow also has a pool and spa. Bosses say they haven't taken the decision lightly. They look to make sure they're operating as efficiently as possible. Aldi's announced it's creating more than 6,000 jobs in the UK, including 160 here in Kent. Extra staff are being recruited to work in stores in Ashford and Deal. It's part of the company's ongoing expansion plans. A Kent pub is one of just six across the country to reach the final of the Community Pub Hero Awards. The Flying Horse in Smarden near Ashford has raised money for a range of causes, including the war in Ukraine and a local baby who needed treatment for spinal muscular atrophy. They'll be invited to a presentation at the House of Commons, where the winners will be announced next month. And a secondary school in Folkestone has received a good Ofsted report just five years after it replaced the school shut down by a series of controversies. Turnip Free School took the place of Pent Valley Technology College in the wake of terrible exam results and a drastic fall in pupil numbers. In its first full Ofsted inspection, the school has been rated good across every category. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get updates of the top stories direct to your email each morning with The Briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.